Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. text for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months. And there was a severe famine over all the land, yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, they all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up and drove him out of town and led him to the brow of the hill of which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of God for all of the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. The good news of Jesus does not always feel like good news. I can remember when I put together my first sermon. That was now... 25 years ago in the summer of 1996. And I am very confident in saying now, I had no idea what I was doing. I had to kind of figure out what the text was going to be, and I put that together, and I kind of slowly wrote the sermon the night before I was to preach, um, and my you know parents were here to see that. I basically didn't sleep a wink at all. I got up, preached the sermon, finished, it was done. I'm pretty sure it was not the best sermon ever, which of course is to be expected because, like I said, it was my first sermon. At the very least, I can say that I didn't do as bad as Jesus. When the response for preaching your first sermon is that they grab you and plan to throw you off a cliff, it makes you realize that maybe my sermon wasn't so bad. So why did this congregation decide to throw Jesus off a cliff? So let's back up a bit. 
Last week, we hear Jesus get up and he reads from the prophet Isaiah about bringing good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, and then he sits down. And you have to believe people were probably very pleased with what they heard. And it seemed like everything was coming up roses for Jesus. And then he opened his mouth again. Today, Jesus says, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That brought the crowd up short. Jesus was saying that he was the Messiah, God's anointed. But that didn't make any sense to the crowd. Jesus is the Messiah? Jesus? The carpenter's son? The word Messiah had kind of a kingly, a royal connotation to it. And here was this guy from Nazareth, a backwater place, claiming that he was God's anointed. He knew that they wanted him, that they weren't really listening to him. That they wanted him to do all the marvelous things that he did in Capernaum. And what the crowd basically wanted was not a sermon as much as they wanted entertainment. They saw Jesus as being on stage and that they were the audience. They wanted to be entertained and, well, Jesus was failing at his job. But now, Jesus was going to turn the tables. The congregation was judging Jesus, and they found him wanting. Now, it was time to put the spotlight on them. And so Jesus tells the congregation that prophets are never accepted in their hometown. And he then tells them two stories from the Old Testament about two very famous prophets. The first is Elijah. Elijah was basically kicked out of Israel. He, was, he basically had a target on his head. And he ended up staying with a Gentile woman outside of Israel where he was able to perform a miracle of allowing this woman and her son to have food that never ran out. And then we hear about the prophet Elisha. He healed the general of a conquering army. He literally actually came into Israel, you know, raided and actually took people that became enslaved. And Elisha was called to heal him. There were a lot of people that had leprosy back in those days in Israel. But Elisha healed this outsider. And this is when the crowd went nuts. As I said, the good news of Jesus doesn't always feel like good news. Jesus comes to bring good news. Jesus brings salvation. But the good news does not always make people feel good. Because sometimes the good news, actually all the time, the good news goes to us who are imperfect. And 
we are people who may want to hear the good news, but we also think that there are people who should not hear it. The congregation was ready to hear good news about them. They were people that were, that were truly oppressed. They were oppressed by Rome. It was not a great time. And so they were glad that this was good news to them. But when Jesus started to say that the good news also included people outside of Israel, they weren't crazy about that. But throughout the Gospels, Jesus continues to meet and to, and to create relationships with people who are not considered upstanding people, not considered part of the group. They are not good people in people's eyes. These were the people Jesus came and had relationships with, tax collectors and other sinners. The thing is, and we're not that much different, the people there wanted Jesus to be for them. But God forbid that God should extend God's love beyond the borders that we as humans set up. When Jesus talks about Elijah and Elisha, he is basically exposing the sin of the crowd. They loved that Jesus was talking about giving hope to their community. And that is incredibly important. They did need hope. But Jesus also knew that their vision was far, far too limited. Jesus then holds up a mirror of their need, not simply for liberation, but for salvation. And that's what bothered them. They didn't think that they needed to be saved. They were already on the in-group. So it wasn't bad enough that God's love went outside of the boundaries. But Jesus was also telling them, you have problems. You need to be saved. And of course, let's be honest, we aren't any better. We all like to think that we are good people. And I want to be honest, to some extent, we are. You know, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't seen any of you kill anybody. I'm pretty sure you try to do the best you can. But the fact is, in our day and age, we have a hard time seeing ourselves as sinners. I remember in seminary, there was a professor, he wanted to talk about how people took communion, and he would talk about the fact that, you know, basically in medieval times, people would meekly come up to the priest and receive it, receive the bread, and meekly take it and, and go back to the seat. And in, in more modern days, people might go and skip down to get communion and take the communion, take the bread, take the wine or the grape juice and skip back. And then he said, someday someone's going to just barrel down the aisle, demand the, the communion from 
the pastor, who is incredibly scared, take the bread and take the wine or grape juice and stomp that. And what he was trying to get at is how we've changed. We, we don't want to see ourselves in a bad light. And we now, in some ways, see ourselves as good people. We don't see ourselves as in need of salvation. We don't always see ourselves as sinners. There is always this temptation to make Christ's death on the cross something other than it was. Humanity was seeking and trying to kill the Son of God. We are a people who see ourselves as better than we are. And basically sometimes what we do is that we're living up to that um, phrase that was said by um, Al Franken's character, Stuart Smalley. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and God darn it, people like me. But Jesus' journey to the cross reminds us that none of us is good. As the text from Romans said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is another pastor, of, uh, or another professor of mine from my seminary days, he was Methodist. And one of the things you have to know about Methodists is that they believe in this concept of perfectionism. And it's the belief that you basically are, are able or possible to not sin. Um, and so when he was asked in this interview, are you on your way to perfection, which is, I guess, a phrase that is very common in Wesleyan circles, he responds, perfection? I'm not even on my way to adequacy. And that's true. We're not perfect. That is the reason that we have in our service confession and forgiveness, because it's a reminder that we are not all that. We are not perfect. We are sinners desperately in need of forgiveness. Jesus lifts up a mirror to our lives and shows us how much we need forgiveness and salvation. And because the crowd could not understand Jesus, they couldn't, and because they could not see their need for wholeness, they missed out on Jesus. Jesus comes to bring the gospel, to bring the good news. Jesus comes to free us all. But it doesn't always feel like good news because we do not always want to see our sin. The good news is God is graceful. If we are willing to come clean and admit our sins, we can then find freedom and salvation. I want to close with a um, story, a story I've heard many times. I think the first time I heard it was from the writer um, Phil Yancey in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. And it's a story about Will Campbell. Will Campbell was a Baptist minister in Mississippi. He was very much involved in the civil rights movement during that time. 
He was heavily involved in many ways to try to find ways to bring racial reconciliation. He took part in things like the Freedom Rides, where blacks and whites together rode buses, especially throughout the South, and faced angry mobs that did hurt people and set buses on fire. It was a very brave, but also scary thing that they had to do. He was one of the only white pastors that was part of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. So he was very much involved in the movement. And one day he had a friend of his, a newspaper editor by the name of P.D. East. And he talked to Will and asked, can you sum up in just a few words what Christianity means to you? So Campbell thought about it. And you have to know about Will Campbell is that he has a certain wit about him and also a certain way of saying things very straightforward. And so he did. He said, we're all bastards, but God loves us anyway. Shortly thereafter, though, his belief was put to the test. A friend and an activist of his, Thomas Coleman, was gunned down by a police officer, Jonathan Daniel. Campbell was devastated and angry. And P.D. East decided to challenge Campbell. He wanted to basically put what he said to the test. He asked him, are both the victim and the murderer bastards? Campbell shook his head and he said, yes. And then he responds, and then P.D. East responds, so, which of these two bastards did God love the best? That incident changed Will Campbell's life. He never gave up, and he, has never, he never gave up on the belief of racial reconciliation. That, is, that was always going to be, and has, was the touchstone of his ministry until he died. But he also started to minister to the Ku Klux Klan, the people who got, the very people he fought against. That seemed to some people, unsurprisingly, shocking and maybe a little maddening. But he realized that God, <clears throat> excuse me, that God loved the bigots as much as God loved the victim of the visits. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry about that. But he realized that God loved the bigots just as much as he loved the victim of the bigots. And that is hard to swallow. In fact, there's a reason I think that people sometimes, when they talk about the cross, they talk about it as a scandal. Because it is so shocking. It is so... It, it, it's beyond, in some ways, our imagination because God truly does love everyone. The good news is for everyone. 
But it is so hard for us as humans, limited as we are, to admit that the good news is for those that we don't like, even when we think that we have reason. But the thing is, just as Campbell said, we are all bastards. Good or bad, we are all in need of God's grace. We may not always like the good news, but we give thanks that everyone is loved by God. And we give thanks that the good news truly is for everyone. It may not feel like the good news, but it is most certainly the good news. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L.org. May God be with you in the coming week.